You're listening to DraftKings Network. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. No matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take your business to the next level. Shopify is the commerce platform that makes it easy to show up and sell exactly the way you want to. No need to code or design. Sign up for your $1 per month trial period today. Visit shopify.com slash offer 23 to get started. Don't you think that we will not be documenting every up and down. Every single the one. downs of <laughs> the highs and lows of the <laughs> We can't not. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Too Many Men. My name is Allison Lucan. And as always, I am joined by the, I don't even know how to explain this, but international journalistic star. <laughs> yeah, that's me. And and ever gorgeous. You just inspire me in so many ways. Stop Check it. out the latest style rankings, of course. Sarah Sivian. Sarah, how are you today? I am fabulous. Spring has sprung in Massachusetts and my allergies are showing that. But other than that, we're adjusting. That's a good thing. They were bound to happen eventually. How are you? <laughs> I am okay too. Spring has sprung in Seattle. We have cherry blossoms starting to bloom. So it was a very pretty walk uh, to work this morning. And then uh, we're recording this on Wednesday per usual. So there was an exciting win by the Kraken over the stars last night. So that's always a good thing. Um, we are waiting. We're going to have our wonderful other co-host, Shana, joining us shortly. She is taking the adorable little Mika to one of his first, her first vet appointments. So she'll be with us soon. But listen, if we have Sarah Sivian, we have all we need for her very favorite segment. And Sarah, what time is it? Bitto news. <laughs> all right, here we go. Bitto news, my friends. Um, and we had a, a different episode before this with uh, the amazing Tara Sloan. If you didn't listen to that, we hope you do. I, I'm still thinking about it, still loving it. Um, but we didn't talk about a lot of hockey. So we got a lot to cover here pretty quickly. Um, let's start with some news in the men's game. And first, that is that on Tuesday, Jared Bednar was extended by the Colorado Avalanche. Uh, this is a coach I actually had the opportunity to cover when he was in the AHL with the Columbus organization. I always really respected him and liked how he went about things and felt like he had a good relationship with his players. He's obviously had tremendous success in Colorado. What's your take on this extension and just what are your comments on what Jared Bednar has been able to do in what was literally his first NHL coaching job as head coach and and winning a Stanley Cup and now being extended? Well, speaking of the style rankings, he's the only head coach to have ever made the style rankings. He's got the style. I love missing curfew posted him smoking that cigar from the cup when he got his extension. And he just is always looking like such a boss. I think the team is good and is constructed so well that it takes away from how good of a coach he really has been. But he has been... Pretty fantastic. Yeah. And his first head coach job. And he obviously led the avalanche to something great after some years of struggle and Peyton, he was patient with his players. I think that's huge. What's your takeaway? Yeah. I think, you know, that's such a good point because if you look to at this front office and we've talked about what we like about Colorado, that there wasn't, there's not necessarily a gimmick to their success right now. Right. They just built an organization really patiently and this front office was patient with him as a head coach too when and they had the foresight and trust to know that maybe the roster wasn't needed to be yet and so you don't just fire a head coach maybe if the results 
they're not winning, right? So, but you say this is the coach we want. And so you keep it. And now it seems to be working. I, I like that. I've thought it's been really interesting all around the way their front office and operations in general operate. Like, yeah. I, I think the way there's been some shuffling and it seems like it's a pretty cohesive unit and everybody's on the same page. So that that can mean so much more than just kind of like firing a coach and trying to find the next thing when it, it really, it, you you might make the fans happy or the owner happy or whoever happy by doing that uh, and like making a, a rash reaction. But in the end of the day, sometimes it doesn't have the impact that you hope it does. And you have to right. like really see what the team needs. A hundred percent. I agree. So, so much. So congratulations to Jared Bednar. Um, I'm happy for him. He seems to, it's good to see um, what it seems to be a deserving person uh, getting some good news. So good for him. Um, we also wanted to touch on quickly. Uh, this is a topic that we dissected uh, a few episodes ago. Uh, this is realistically now old news. Most of you have seen this, but we did talk about it before. Carson Briere, uh, the 23-year-old son of the Flyers interim GM, Danny Briere, and his friend have officially been charged um, for pushing a woman's wheelchair down the stairs at a bar. They were charged with criminal mischief, criminal conspiracy to commit criminal mischief and disorderly conduct. Uh, the woman who owned the wheelchair did file the report. Um she reported damages to her wheelchair, and, and many have spoken out about the fact of how expensive wheelchairs are, not just a new one, but repairs. So uh, this is now a legal matter, and hopefully uh, there will be action taken as appropriate. And this is a second strike for this individual, so hopefully things start to turn around. Again, we talked about this a lot before, Sarah, but any kind of additional thoughts on what's going on with this story? Yeah, first of all, I mean, justice is served and this everyone says, oh, he don't cancel him. Let's see in the court of law. This is the court of law saying, yeah, he's charged with these things. So I don't I'm not I just I don't want to give cancel people any more airtime because it's just you can argue with them. and It's arguing with a brick wall and they have no nuance whatsoever. But I, I want to bring a positive light on legless wonder on Twitter, who she has such a good positive attitude. She's the one who pressed the charges and not that you need to have a positive attitude whatsoever in this situation, but I just learned a lot from following her and what she has said about uh, the wheelchair community in the past few weeks. And obviously Chanel has taught us so much and we're so grateful for her and her bright light in this community and her sticking around when she does not have to. But I mean, I knew wheelchairs were expensive, but mm -hmm. you don't know all the intricacies of not they're, that they're just expensive, which is bad enough, but how much like customization time takes and how it's just, even if it wasn't expensive, just this is an extension of somebody and That's you're right. taking that away from them. And then now they have to wonder about it when they go into a party and then it's just a shame. So I'm glad justice has been on the way to being served. 100% could not agree with you more. Those were our big men's hockey headlines, but we have some big women's hockey headlines too. Um, I'll start with my personal bias, the good news first, and that is that Sophie Jakes of the Ohio State University won the Patty Kazmaier Award for the best player in Division I hockey. Uh, she is only just the second defender to ever win the award, and she is the first person of color to win the award. Um, in talking with my uh, colleagues and friends who we've all covered or followed Ohio State hockey for the entirety of Sophie's career, um, I just want to dispel the narrative. People were like, oh, she popped out of nowhere because she was a finalist for this award last year, too. And 
um, we were joking. I remember seeing her take to the ice for the first time and she got quickly paired with uh, Jinsey Dunn, who was the number one defender at the time for the Buckeyes. And you could just tell, I mean, this player is so special and I'm just so happy for her and her achievement. And I think it's great. And then at the same time, I'm simultaneously furious because there's such limited opportunities for her to continue to play um, after she finishes her college career. Sarah, I know you were crazy busy during the tournament and the Frozen Four this past weekend, but did were you able to take any of this news in or do you have any thoughts on Sophie getting this honor? Yeah, crazy busy getting hammered. I was actually well, I at listened. the bar and I saw AJ Valesco's face and then she was giving the Patty Cats award to her. So that was fantastic. The game was on. I was watching it. Thank God. So shout out to Boston. But I think what you said about the narrative of people coming out of nowhere, that's so prevalent, prevalent in either like small market hockey, like Barkov is still on the NHLPA's uh, most underrated player. And yeah. um, it's just funny. Like she did not come out of nowhere. If anybody's paying attention, you can see that, but I love an upset. Sorry, Allison. I know you're oh. probably, a, you're upset about the upset, but <laughs> I mean, the Badgers <laughs> rock. This is the other narrative. Everyone's saying, Oh, it's an upset. First of all, you're mad. I'm, I am mad, but let's, so let's for the people, Ohio state women, for the second year in a row, made it to the national championship game. They won their first national championship last season. And this year they went in against Wisconsin, who had beaten the Buckeyes in all their previous, they're in the same conference. Um, and Wisconsin came into the tournament unranked. So everyone's like, oh, this is an upset. Here's the deal, people. This was Wisconsin's seventh national championship. Most Wisconsin, ever. <laughs> Wisconsin has been good for like literally forever. So maybe their players are ahead of schedule, but it's not like this is the first time this team has made on the scene. Now you go ahead with your narrative and talk about Wisconsin. I know. I, I now they have the most ever in NCAA women's history. So that is fantastic for them. And yeah, I, you can't have a narrative that somebody came out of nowhere, but also the team was upset. Like, okay, is this the best team or is it not? I don't know. But I, I I don't know. I'm happy for Ohio State. I'm excited to see maybe new developments with the new rink and everything. And let's see what happens there. You know, they, they deserve some recognition and some more, any more clout, even if they didn't win, they made it to the championship and they, they deserve better. A hundred percent. And I, you know, if for people who watch the game, I mean, Wisconsin very clearly deserved that win. They were the better team in that game. Their goaltending was outstanding. And this is a narrative that I actually do believe to be true is that it's so much harder to repeat as a champion. This is why we make such a big deal about the lightning, right? It's mm -hmm. really hard to repeat as a champion. And so I think that these were good lessons for Ohio State. And it's going to be interesting to your point to see how they evolve because they are not a historically strong program like Wisconsin. And they are graduating a lot of talent. So what are they going to look like in the future? That is going to be uh, something to watch for sure. So fine, Sarah, you can celebrate Wisconsin. <laughs> As if like, I'm just me, I'm like the SpongeBob meme, watching them go jellyfishing outside. Well, I'm Penn State, so I don't know. <laughs> Fair, 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 fair. All right. Uh, we are going to move on and we're going to have Shayna join us. Wait, are you gaming on a Chromebook? Yep. It's got a high res 120 hertz display, plus this killer RGB keyboard. And I can access thousands of games anytime, anywhere. Stop playing. What? Get out of here. Huh? Yeah. I want you to stop playing and get out of here so I can game on that Chromebook. Got it. Go ahead, break it down real 
Discover the ultimate cloud gaming machine, a new kind of Chromebook. This episode is brought to you by Chevrolet. Now's your chance to support a team with real grit. The Chevy ZR2 family of off-road trucks. The first ever Silverado HD ZR2 joins the all-new Colorado ZR2 and the Silverado ZR2 for a commanding lineup of off-road ready trucks. Equipped to take on anything this season throws their way. Visit Chevy.com to learn more. This episode is brought to you by Columbia Sportswear. It's snowing again, and that wind chill is killer. But you're not worried about that because you shop the Omni Heat Infinity Collection. It's warmth perfected with tiny gold dots that reflect your body heat inside and protect you from the cold outside. No snow or chilly temps can stop you now. Go out anyway. Shop the Omni Heat Infinity Collection now at Columbia.com slash infinity. Friends, we are now complete. The trio is here, even though one of us is ducking. Oh, there she is. <laughs> she look baby. baby, look at Mika. Oh, She survived her little shots. Mika oh. is here with us. Shayna Goldman from The Athletic. Say hi. Hi. Your dog mommy times three and we love it oh look at the baby okay well we have a puppy to bring us the good vibes because unfortunately my friends it is time to go to the place of the bad vibes and that is the shit list you all know what's coming here we are y'all james reimer and again, we encourage you, if you have not already, to listen to our episode with Tara Sloan, where we really digested this issue in more depth. Uh, James Reimer refused to wear a Pride jersey on San Jose's Pride Night. Um, he cited reasons due to his religion. Interestingly, he has never cited his religion in wearing a military jersey, in playing on Sundays, in wearing mixed cloth fabrics, and the list goes on. But here we are. Um, he also doubled down on some comments. I still can't find the origin of these. So if someone has them, please pass them on. But um, some intermission comments, I guess, where he attempted to write himself opinion wise by saying that he was friends with Nazem Qadri, but that Nazem Qadri would understand if he didn't want to wear a Muslim night jersey. Um, you know, we talked so much about this with Tara. Um, again, I I am stuck on the fact that while I appreciate we have come a long way Things like this take us backwards, and that feels so significant. It's death by a thousand cuts. Thank you, Taylor. Um, but you're welcome. But we talked so much yesterday with our with our other episode. But Sarah, is there more you want to say about this issue or, or how this all went down or some of the comments that James Reimer has said? I just think it's very, I know we're all tired of hearing it. We've all said what needed to be said. But the, the thing that strikes me is the inconsistency of what he said, just basically he thinks everyone's welcome, but he's not going to show you that. Like, I, I just say you don't believe in like, don't, don't give me all the you're welcome here. And I, I think everybody it's important. Everyone's included because you literally don't think that. And when I read a statement like that, I am just like, what are you saying? I don't understand what you're saying, but I, I do want to bring up anti shit list. Jamie Ben last night, he said yes. he saw Brian Burke's statement. So thank you, Tara. And this is how important it is to not only just speak your truth on Twitter, but to also go kind of the extra mile and get and have somebody like Tara who is so tenured in the industry and respected that also shows these beliefs and knows who to contact because then you get these 
domino effects where Jamie Ben is on uh, stars pride night last night to Michelle McMahon, who's also amazing. Um, he, she asked what pride night means to him. And he said, I, I heard Brian Burke's statement and that resonated with me. If you're, if you can play, you are welcome in this locker room. And that was just really important because they're in Texas and what have you. So props to him there. Absolutely. And I do want to interrupt real quickly. I, I have found the source of those cadre comments and I do not want to, uh, ignore the work of any journalist. And it was Steve McFarland from uh, Calgary Hockey Now. Um, and it was his article um, that I guess the comments were not made during intermission. He provided this article to read during intermission, but those comments were from Kadri, excuse me, from Reimer on Kadri. Shana, again, we talked about this so much with Tara, but is, has more come to mind? Or are there more specific points that are valuable for you to make about this issue? Yeah, I just think that I think Tara made such a great point of like what the symbolism actually is of wearing these jerseys. And I think that's so important just to just keep stressing because everybody takes it the wrong way all the time. Oh, it means this. It doesn't. It just means you're saying people are welcome. And that is so important in the sport. And it feels like a door was just open the season and the constant like what lets you not constant, but now it's consistent religion twice. Um just something to like, again, we talked about this when it was Provorov. You have to like be aware of what the team says and what they can and can't say, because when you use religion, you have to deal with labor laws, which is a big problem. Obviously, you can't do what you need to, um, but it, it just... Why? Why? I'm sorry. <laughs> My brain is like everywhere. Um, but like, it's just, it, it's a crutch. And it's really, it's really disappointing. And the statements are so contradictory and it's really disappointing to see this keep happening and it's, it's unnecessary. So as everyone's like, oh, we don't need to join the cult. It's not a cult. It's just being a human being. hundred percent. And as I've said on record on this podcast before, I am a Christian and I do believe that we should be inclusive and welcoming to all people for all sexual identities and it's not a choice. I would like to share one anti-shitless piece of news that I heard today, uh, too, to build on what Sarah said. And that is that Luke Prokop, who is the, is, is he still the only openly gay pro hockey player? Um, he is currently playing for the Seattle Thunderbirds um, out here in the WHL. And their pride night was last night. And it is my understanding that when Luke got a secondary assist in the game, it generated the loudest cheer of the night. So that's pretty cool. All right, we're done with you, James Reimer. Please go listen to Tara Sloan. Please credit her properly for the Brian Burke comments. I will say this till I die. It is time to move on to some actual on the ice talk. And my friends, we did a lot of breakdowns of deadline moves and what we thought it would mean for teams and where they might end up as a result. And one of the teams that was interesting was the LA Kings who moved Jonathan Quick. It sounded like that was going to be potentially a big disruption in the room um, to move such a tenured player. And they brought in some other pieces to try and make a push uh, for some Western Conference stacking and getting into a highly seated place in the uh, standings. Well, friends, the Kings are on a 10-game point streak. 10 games. Eunice Corposalo has played, I'm quickly doing this math, four games for them, and he has won all but one. Uh, Phoenix Copley is also delivering in net, and this team seems to be on a roll, most recently defeating Calgary Monday night by a score of, oh, you know, commonplace 8-2. to two. My goodness gracious, Sarah, tell me, the LA Kings 
How unstoppable are they? And could they end up taking over first place in the West? Yeah, good for them. I mean, it's funny that like this is happening on the West where, I mean, I know we're beating a dead horse here, but it doesn't matter as much. I mean, what is the the matchup if they are number one seed in the West? Do we, I mean, is it all well, out yet? No, because that's it. It could be Seattle. It could be Winnipeg. It could be long shot Calgary Flames, but I don't think so. Or very long shot Nashville. But right now, likely it's one of Edmonton, Seattle or Winnipeg. Likely. Well, that's I mean, I wouldn't want to play Seattle, but then you got to do the gymnastics of everything. Like I, it's too tough to say how much it actually matters, but it is good that they're getting the confidence right going into like I know coaches when I would cover them at their games would actually say things like, well, you don't want to let up, even if you do want to kind of let certain players rest by the end end of the season, you want to go in feeling confident and having the juice and being in the best shape you can possibly be in. So it's kind of a delicate balance there. And I think the Kings had been kind of inconsistent, uh, like lately, not lately, but I mean, like last month. So I think it's really important that they're shaping up this way especially with the goaltender um, getting confidence. Shayna, we didn't know which way the Kings would trend after those moves that shook up not just the roster on the ice, but also some of the vibes in the room. Are you impressed or is this what you expected from this team post-deadline? I'm impressed because it feels like like last year we looked at some of their underlying numbers below the surface too, and it was like they were impressive areas, and then there were some areas that it's like this is a little bland, this could be a problem. And then when they started to add a little bit more offense and it was really minimal, the impact, you know, earlier this season, then their defense suffered. So it feels like they are finding that right two-way balance. And the way their numbers are trending below the surface since the deadline is really impressive to me. And her. She's so intrigued. She watched them play one game and she can't believe it because she watched them kick the crap out of the flames. Um, But it it really is impressive. And then the fact that they have two goaltenders that are performing really well, that they're, you know, rotating so evenly, I think it just gives them options. And since they're playing well and since they're really solidified in a playoff spot, like now is the time where they can start mixing and matching too, right? And figure out what's our versatility? What are our options now within this? What'll rock the boat? What won't rock the boat? And I think that's going to make them a better team come the playoffs. Because we saw last year they were disruptors in round one, right? And they did really well against the team. No one gave them a chance to play and to beat. So How can you build on that now? That's like the big question because it's a lot of the same members of the team. And what do you think, Shana, too? I mean, what is the pressure level on this team? They have some of their core is obviously getting older. You look at a Kopitar, for example. Is is this a a must-win try year for them? How much bigger, how many more years do they have? That's a good question because I feel like when you look at someone like Boston, it's like you have to do it right now when you look at the ages. When you look at our favorite team, the Toronto Maple Leafs. You look at the contract situations and it it puts pressure on a situation, even though like everyone really is in their prime. Um, But with the Kings, it's different because you have like, they have such a good young core and it feels like they're easing them in the right way. So I don't think it's a do or die yet because I could see the young core starting to take over for the old core that still plays significant roles. And we can see that kind of start easing a little bit more next year. So I think that they're going to have this good balance for maybe another two years after this. I would give it like three years of like this balanced core before we really see the young guns take over. And it seems like management's been really smart with their assets when they know when to add the Fialas, the Arvidsons, those types of players like in the off season. So I don't know. I'm kind of confident. They have a good prospect pool. They seem to have a good management group. So now it's just figuring out when, which group takes over. You know what I mean? 
Absolutely. It's uh, going to be interesting. The Kraken play them uh, one more time before the season is over. So I'm curious to see how those two stack up. Uh, Shana, you remain elite because you've set us up for one of our newest and favorite, favoritest segments. Folks, how does this affect the Leafs? Here we are. If you watched that game on Tuesday, you saw them get handed a 7-2 loss on the island. They've been struggling since the, the deadline. This is the Leafs I'm speaking of. In their last 10 games, they have won five, but they've lost five with two loser points coming in those games. If I look at the scores, they're allowing multiple goals against every game. Sometimes it is just two, but we're still seeing that happen. Sarah, vibe check on the head case that is the Toronto Maple Leafs fan base and their team. I know. Well, the first thing you obviously think of is how well Ryan O'Reilly was fitting in and playing until he got hurt. And then it's just kind of with this team, like even if that's not the reason they aren't playing well, it's kind of like, oh, that would happen to us. And then the curse lives on and they get in these slumps again. But I, I think there's a lot of anticipation to just get to the playoffs too. And it's not like they're going to slide out of a playoff spot. So I think now the pressure might be a little bit off. I don't know. I just, it just stinks that O'Reilly went down. I don't know about, I don't know, is how has Matt Murray played in net? Not great. Yeah, that sucks. <laughs> that's great. like the most important thing, obviously. That was but. the big gamble. That was the big gamble. Yeah. Shayna, what are your concerns about this team on the ice right now? And can they overcome them to maybe win a round or two? Yeah, it's like, I feel like, Whenever you make moves at the deadline, you kind of have to run the balance of doing enough to fix your team and not overdoing it. And they made so many changes. And while I don't hate what they did at the deadline, right? Like we we gave them pretty good grades because we're like the Ryan O'Reilly trade makes sense. The Chari makes sense. Jake McCabe makes sense. Did they do too much? Did they disrupt what they already had? And that's like the big question. And so far it's like, well... <laughs> And it just feels like they're trying so many different options right now that they haven't figured out what clicks. And once they figure out what clicks, then they need to figure out what's their second option. What's their third option? Where's that versatility? You're going against Tampa Bay, a team that's great at adjusting, a team that can take you the distance. And guess what? If it gets to game seven, no one's picking you again because you didn't get it done sooner. And, you know, it's not even just trying to say like, oh, the narratives, oh, whatever. We know if Tampa Bay is in the game seven, who are we taking every day of the week, even though they have their own struggles. But we look at how they're coming away from their struggles right now and figured out their shit after kind of falling apart. So it, it's really tricky here. Like, did they do too much? Are they doing enough? Can they figure out the balance? And now you don't even know what you're going to do with Ryan O'Reilly. Can he be your second line center? Are you keeping Tavares on the wing? Is he going to be your three C? Really didn't get to see him there. Can he drive his own line? There's so many different questions that have to be answered. And it's so tough because no one's going to give them an inch. They've known their opponent pretty much all year. It's Tampa Bay. This is a team you have to match up against. Um, so it's really tough. And then you look at last night's game in particular against the Islanders. And I saw so many people on Twitter being like, this team's going to lose to Tampa in, in, you know, in round one easily. And I get that because it's like the Islanders are that prototypical heavy hockey team. But I feel like that didn't give them the credit for how they're trending up at five on five, even though we counted them out. So it's going to be really interesting. I don't think it's a stylistic thing for the Leafs. I think it's that there's so much going on and they just can't seem to figure out how to like 
keep their identity with, with all these faces and find that right balance. It is going to be interesting for sure to watch. And don't you think that we will not be documenting every up and down, every single the downs of <laughs> the highs and team. lows of the Toronto Maple Leafs. <laughs> we can't not. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, we've talked about what the players are doing on the ice. We have one quick last item to just touch on. And that is about what the players are going to be wearing on the ice. And unfortunately, perhaps maybe all of you too. And that is the fact that the NHL announced this week that Fanatics is going to become the official jersey dealer and merch person people of the NHL. It's a 10, 10 year deal. I have never seen the hockey world come together so resolutely and in complete agreement about something. And unfortunately, that agreement is over the fact that no one is looking forward to this move. We have talked about this before. We posted our thoughts on that already on our social media. You can check it out there. But Shane, I know this is something you cover very closely. Do you have any new thoughts on this fanatics relationship? It's just all of it's bad. Everything about it, I don't like. Um, I don't know how many options the NHL legitimately had. Like, let's start with that. We know Adidas is walking away and we don't know how many other brands were jumping at the chance for this, which is a problem if that is the case that the NHL has created for themselves or how much the NHL was looking for something huge and something, I guess you could say with security because you have that long-term deal instead of Adidas, which had like, it was a pretty short stint it felt like, right? Like maybe they want something with a little more longevity. The problem is, you go with the longevity and you're tying yourself to this price that you shouldn't be. It was the same thing with the NBC cable deal. It's like the perfect comparable. You should be going for these shorter deals and trying to maximize it a little bit better, which they consistently fail to do. And then on the other hand, you're supporting a business that has risen in the worst way, has gotten a gajillion instances of venture capitalist funding to legitimately take over the market while other leagues have different companies within every single one, except for about like 47 brand and small individual ones for teams has been taken over by fanatics. They even run a couple team stores. So you're like giving into that in a way, which it feels like you shouldn't do. You do, you shouldn't want it that the market's cornered in this way because there's no competition. There's no one to raise the price. And if people hate fanatics, which guess what? Rightfully so people do, you're cutting yourself off even more. I don't think it's going to be a problem on the ice. The, the report said they're going to be using the same uh, manufacturer that Adidas and Reebok did in Montreal and that the changes are going to be so minimal at first. And we'll see if that goes from there to get cheaper and have the fanatics vibe, but it just feels like they've cornered themselves in so many ways with the length, with the, with the decision for it to be fanatics that it's just not good business, but it's not surprising. Right. Sarah, what's the over under on how many jerseys hockey fans buy in the next year so they can still get the Adidas product product before it changes hands. I know. Maybe that was the mastermind move of it all, right? Yeah, checkmate Adidas, but it's 10 years of this. I mean, that's so serious. I, obviously, the on-ice product is probably going to be different than how horrible the off-ice has been, but it's still the principle of everything and just kind of the monopoly. It's just not great. And I, yeah, I like we're all unified against this. It just kind of stinks. Yeah, and I uh, we've talked about this again, like I said before, and unfortunately, we're looking at a Ticketmaster situation, which for all y'all who are fans of Taylor Swift, including we're back Goldman, to promoting class action lawsuits. Let's get with your lawsuit, fellas. But I, I will say I'm with Shane. I think the biggest concern for me is that 
is this the only option the league had? Because that's more worrisome for me than the deal itself is what other parties were available to the league. And if there weren't many, that's definitely not a good sign. All right, my friends, uh, we wrap every episode with our very favorite game. Our very favorite game is called Fuck, Mary Kill. And we love it when we get nominations from you. That's one that we're going to do today to end this episode. So I bring to you from Twitter follower at NotLuigi89. There's a Mario Kart reference for you, Shayna. Here is our fuck. Here's our fuck. You still have to play with me, though. I know. Yes. Here's our fuck, Mary kill contestants for this week's episode. And Sarah, I'm going to have you go first. Are you ready? Yes. Here we go. We're a little bit ahead of this one, but why not jump on it now so we can give our very firm opinions and be right? For fan giveaways during the playoffs, fuck, Mary kill, rally towels, pom-poms, thundersticks. The floor is I'm, yours. I am marrying rally towels for so many reasons. It gives fans the opportunity to like have their art on the towel. It gives the inside jokes a chance. It's a memorabilia thing. I still have a bunch of hurricanes once and they were like a bunch of jerks. I mean, you don't get that from the other options. I'm going to mm, fuck the pom-poms because it's just less annoying than I'm going to kill the thunder sticks because I don't, I just, I it's a distraction. They're like dangerous. I don't know. I, it's just kind of stupid. <laughs> Shayna, your turn. Okay. I'm going to agree fully. I'm going to marry the rally towels. I think that first of all, you can just fold it up, put it in your pocket. And that's a nice thing to have. Second, I think that they're better keepsakes. Um, I have a friend uh, who's an Islander fan. And he has all of his rally towels. And like during their playoff runs a couple years ago, he would have them at the ready in his pocket. Each period, he had to know which to like take out. And I think that there's like a I'm a nerd, but a fun element that you can recraft them. Like you can make them into like patchwork pants and things like that as you collect them, which is something like I like to do with uh, like shirts I don't wear anymore and things like that. So I just think that there's like the cool element. There's there's more versatility with them. Uh, I will fuck the pom-poms. They can look really cool in the crowd, especially if they use tinsel, which who among us doesn't love some tinsel and you see that like shining in the crowd. They're fun. They can't go very far if you want to throw them on the ice too, which is always a good thing. Um, and I will kill the thundersticks. They're annoying. I'd rather see those are the, like they're the clappers and stuff. Like they're if I'm if your crowd, I feel like that's to make the crowd louder. I hate that. I hate the horns to hype up the crowd. I hate all things like that. I want organic crowd noise, not to be like an old man yelling at the clouds. But I, I just think it's annoying. The light up things I think are cool, but that doesn't do it for me. This might be no. This might have happened before. But guess what? What? We're all in agreement. We're all in Whoa. agreement. Yes. I first of all, I hate thing fewer, very few things more than I hate thundersticks. Let me tell you why. Number one, they're a pain in the ass to blow up. You have to find the hole, like you have to pull it apart. Like they're obnoxiously difficult Wait, to execute. You have to do that, the fan? Anytime I've seen thundersticks, what happens is they're in a pouch. Like they're like and then you you open the pouch and there's two and you have to unfold them and then you blow them up and then like they seal. Like there's a little hole and you blow them up and then like the flap comes over and seals. Wow. That's the only time I've seen them. So first of all, don't give me extra work to do when I've already paid a ton of money for my ticket. Number two, they're obnoxious and I hate the noise. And then there's always some kid who thinks it's hilarious to like hit you with it. Yeah. And then like inevitably some drunk person hits them too hard and one goes flying. They're awful. I hate them. You can never use them again for anything. And they look stupid if you have them around your house. Die in a fire. 
Uh, I'm going to fuck. It is the most passionate we've ever gotten you to hate something, and I love that. <laughs> I have strong feelings about Thundersticks. I'm going to uh, fuck the pom-poms because, like you said, Shana, I think they can look really cool in a crowd. And I, I do think, like, I get the rally towel motion, but I do think a pom-pom has a little bit more variety in what you can do with it. I'm just throwing that out there. But I'm going to marry the rally towel because I'm with Sarah. I love that. This is a time to really speak to the fan base and what they're about. They can be different every game because they're not super, super expensive to produce. I also think it's a great way to grow awareness of your team to fans who are not of your team, who might be there for the other team, because most fans are still going to grab it because it's a memento that you were, in fact, at that game. And it's going to get your brand out there. You can also reuse them, gym towels, keep them in your car, all kinds of things. Big rally towel fan. We still have one. Stephen went to a Sharks game years ago. It was somebody's, it was a milestone game for somebody. And we still have it. We think it's great. And when we see it all the time, it makes us happy. So there you go. Love it. That's what I got. I don't know. We may have to document this date. I really don't know if that's ever happened before. (laughs) And I think all three of us too have our own rally towels, like stashed somewhere. Oh yeah. Like I have, I went to one playoff game a million years ago. My friend had an extra ticket. It was Rangers Penguins. Worst game I've ever seen. They lost like five, nothing. And we got like three rally towels that night. We both kept them because we're like, what can we do with these? Yep. hundred percent. hundred percent. All right, my friends, that brings another episode of too many men to a conclusion. Once again, uh, we can't encourage you enough if you haven't already to please listen to our interview with one of our favorite people in the whole wide world, Tara Sloan. That dropped earlier this week. Uh, We thank her so much for not just joining us, but all that she does every single day. If you want to stay in touch with us and know when the latest episode drops and who might be the VIP guest on it, you can follow us on social. We are at two underscore much underscore man on both Twitter and Instagram. Interact with us there. Submit your Fuck, Mary Kill nominations. And also find in those bios the links to our merch. We have hats, switch cases, sweatshirts, t-shirts, notebooks, everything you could possibly want and more. Bit-O News t-shirts. You can get it all and represent your favorite pod everywhere you go. We turn those proceeds around to support people and causes that do exactly what we end every episode with asking you to do in a way, no matter how big or small, And that is please try and make sure that hockey is for everyone. We will talk to you soon. Love you. Bye.